0: Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about coping with grief is Dr. Ebony Green. Dr. Green is the President and CEO of Caregiver Support Services, which specializes in supporting family and professional caregivers across the lifespan through direct supportive services. She is the author of three books, At the Heart of the Matter, Caregiving in the New Millennium, and Reflections from the Soul, and currently writes a monthly article that focuses on self-care among caregivers. Dr. Green has extensive experience focused on caregivers' health and wellness with an emphasis on caregiver stress, burnout, and related family conflicts. How are you doing today, Dr. Green?
1: I'm doing great. How are you,
0: Jason? Uh, Doing doing great. Thank you so much. Uh, Welcome back. Um, Looking forward to this particular webinar. Before we get started, Dr. Green, for those that are joining us live, if you have any questions, type those questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get those questions answered. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Dr. Green, Coping with grief.
1: Thank you, and welcome to anyone who is um, visiting us today. I'm going to be talking about a topic that I think can be really challenging to explore, but it is very important, and especially when we think about what is currently happening in the uh, in the world and in the communities uh, where we're caring for individuals. Is that we're not always talking about um, actual um, loss of life all the time when we're thinking about grief, but it can be. And it is one of the more challenging topics to broach. And so uh, I'm going to share a few things with you today and I hope you find some comfort and maybe a couple of nuggets of wisdom that will help you. If you are coping with grief while you're caring for someone, You're experiencing grief because we're all in the pandemic and we're um, not necessarily living life the way that we have been in the past, or if you actually have lost someone um, during the pandemic or as a caregiver, how you can um, kind of uh, identify the grief that you're experiencing, and again, a couple of nuggets as to how to cope. So one of the things that I think about frequently when I'm thinking about grief is that um, triumphing over grief is never easy. And this is an excellent um, quote from Linda Lucy. She wrote a book, she was caring for, was a caregiver for her parents. Um, She also had a younger son who was about 10. And he had a dream to ride to travel from um, one coast to the other uh, on a uh, horseback trail ride. And so they, you know, lived in a rural area, and um, he had it all planned out with John Deere that they would be able to help him with the feed and all of that, so that he could make this trip with his mother. And before the trip actually was. Um, before they were actually able to take the trip, um, Linda's son was um, out in the fields and was pinned under one of the um, mechanical trucks and subsequently passed away. And so she lost her son, who was 10. And she was so devastated as any mother would be. And part of her um, coping was for her to take that solitary ride in his honor, and so she did. She took a year and she rode rode from coast to coast. And then, just when she was starting to beginning to cope with that loss, she had a, a her middle age, her middle son um, went into the military and he um, subsequently committed suicide. So she writes this after the passing of her son. I used to think that life was getting past the obstacle, just beyond the obstacle to get to the other side. I just needed to get there to live again. But you know what? Life is not on the other side of the challenge. Life is the challenge. The challenge is the journey. Getting to the other side is just the pit stop where you can re-energize before the next hurdle is in front of you. With each and every loss, every challenge, every obstacle, it empowers me to know that I am gaining the courage and the wisdom to live beyond what it was and used to be. Triumphing over grief, challenge, and adversity is never easy, but it is surprisingly simple. All you have to do is have faith, faith in yourself and beyond and the courage to take the next step. So she wrote a book called The Great God Hunt, The Workings of the Universe Revealed. And she now has a, um, she calls it the happiest place on earth. She and her husband operate a winery um, on the East Coast. There are three common myths, myths that we often think about, and I find that I'm always, or I'm most frequently addressing these myths. The first is that the goal of grief work is to find closure. So I love the research and teachings of a Dr. Kubler-Ross. And um, one of my courses that I took in my graduate work was, was a counseling course on grief in pre- preparation for the book that I wanted to write, um, Reflections from the Soul. And one of the observations as I was in the course that I started to acknowledge and then later um, started to live in that truth is that much of what Kubler-Ross did, which was phenomenal and very important was to study people who had received terminal diagnoses. And so when you look at the five stages of grief, you can apply that loosely to individuals who are still living, but do acknowledge and recognize that much of what Kubler-Ross was looking at when she was talking about grief was that an individual has received a terminal diagnosis and these are the stages that they go through in order to um, accept the diagnosis and to um, live out their days in with meaning and purpose and so I think what's happened is that there are many aspects of the grief model that can be applied to those of us who are living, but that we've put this um, we've put this um, barrier or uh, goal, and we think that okay, my grief work is going to be to find closure because that's the end stage of um, the five stages of grief is the acceptance. The other idea is that you will succinctly move through these five stages, and in about a year, your weight or sadness will be lifted. Very much not true. Um I've mentioned before that my husband and I cared for his mother, who was very much um, like my mother, and um, I didn't even begin to process the fact that we lost her until a year later. And then it all came crashing down on me at that point. So oftentimes we will put this timeline that within this year, we're going to have this lift of sadness and you might not have even begin uh, begun to acknowledge. And I feel like for me, that was a coping mechanism. Um, there was just too much going on that I wouldn't have been able to um, make it through that year if I had really accepted in my heart that she was gone. And then the other idea is that grief is a condition that should be treated. So again, Kubler-Ross, excellent work. If you have an opportunity to read and learn uh, from her teachings, it's really good reading. It's very um, helpful, especially if you are a caregiver and you have a loved one um, who uh, has a terminal diagnosis or just has conditions that are long-term conditions. But that what we look at with um, loss rather than the significant loss in this linear process that within this year or so our sadness is going to be lifted, what we look for is opportunities for homeostasis. Because if you look at the top line on the, my slides here, you will see significant loss expectations. And a year later, people will say, oh, if you can just get through this first year, you'll be perfectly fine. Um, no, 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 that may not be true. Um, and so you can see the other uh, examples of what it's really like. And if I were to share with you what it felt like for losing my mother-in-law, it's more like the bottom. Where it's just all over the place in the middle. And then I still have periods and times where something hits me, or, um, you know, I think about a situation. Sometimes it's really funny. Um, but the other week, we were, it was Thanksgiving, and I was cooking and I was in the kitchen by myself. And I remember a funny moment between my mother in law and um, my husband's grandmother. And that brought me joy. So you just never know what it's going to be with regard to how you're going to cope. And I think that sometimes too, it also depends on the, the relationship. And so I'm gonna talk about that too. The big idea here, the big takeaway, if you take nothing else from this discussion today is that losing a loved one changes your life forever. and you will likely not get over the sadness that's associated with losing that person, especially if they were someone that you were close with, but you can learn to cope. So it's really important that we are cautious of suggesting that the goal of grief work is to find closure. Um, And I think I'm seeing this more and more being um, acknowledged even when I'm watching some television shows where they're doing detective work. They're saying, okay, we know that this is not going to change how the family feels, but we can provide justice rather than thinking that we're going to provide closure. Um, The other thing is that we don't want to suggest that um, you will experience sadness briefly and that you will then close the door and return to normal. This is not true because loss really does change you. There are some common feelings. So, we're not talking at all about stages. We're just talking about common feelings that you may feel from time to time. And especially if you've been providing care for someone that you love, there can be feelings of anger. Um, you may have times where, like I said, I was in the kitchen alone having a moment and just remembered something that was just between the three of us that was so funny. Um, you may feel distress and that distress could also um, lead to anxiety. You could feel emotional or social isolation, um, depression and then I do also hear a lot about guilt and regret, feeling like maybe you you didn't handle a situation in a certain way or you didn't respond in a certain way, we're all human. And so these are really common feelings that caregivers and individuals who are grieving in general um, most often experience. There are things that can influence your grief. And so these are um, things like your life experiences. And I've got excellent and and exciting and thrilling stories to talk about with um, life experiences um, where you maybe how you were um, exposed to end of life. Did your family talk about someone passing away? Um, Did you go to a memorial or funeral services? Um, How you were um, exposed to end of life or someone passing away can, it can influence how you process grief later on. The other thing is um, position or status or station. So thinking about if you are like the matriarch of the family or the patriarch of the family, um, how you experience grief may be influenced by the position that you have because others expect you to be strong or you expect that you should be strong. The personal relationship also can impact your grief. So how you were, um, how close you were. So, you know, my favorite aunt. Everybody has their, in my opinion, or at least in my life experience, you have um, your own lane with individuals. So you have the way that you um, live with and experience life, and so that personal relationship can be a major influence of your grief. For example, this is the time of the year where I um, I sometimes get sad. It's it's um, next week, a uh, week from today, is the um, anniversary of my favorite aunt's passing. Um, she was we we're both um, birthday twins, basically. She was born on the fourth, um, on the fifth of January. And um, she did suffer from schizophrenia, but she was just full of life. And um, she was always writing me letters and um, and I you know, loved getting those letters to see what what she was going to say. And so it can be really challenging when you start to get to those times. Um, But what I did start to think about with relation to her is that in my ability to laugh and enjoy life, I can be a um, personal epithet. I can be a person who um, lives her best best parts of life, which is laughing and being happy because that's the type of person she is or was. Um, family conflicts too. We don't always have these really perfect, wonderful relationships with our family and we may end up providing care for someone and that can make you, um, you you want to do it, you do it, and then they pass away and then now you're dealing with some of the, the feelings of anger or um, extreme sadness for the loss of that relationship. The other thing is that family members do experience grief dif- in different ways. And so when we think about how um, individuals process grief, we think about or we, we should think about the idea that this can be a time where you do start to have um, uh, differences in the, in the relationship with your siblings or other close family members. And it may have nothing to do really with um, you personally, but how you're, I won't say personally, but it may have nothing to do with um, anything more than the way that you're each processing grief. And I think that's important to think about. Um, When you're providing care for a family member, there's a level of intimacy that's not experienced in other relationships. So being a caregiver for someone that you love makes that situation more complex and that can intensify the level of grief that you experience because of that relationship. The other consideration is that when we have a family member that passes away, the idea of um, how I grieve, maybe I'm very angry And maybe that's very difficult for other family members to deal with. Oh, I don't necessarily want to go visit Ebony because she's going to be sad or she's going to be angry. And so then you start to have um, separations in family because you have lost someone and no one wants to necessarily deal with their feelings related to grief. And for me, I can think about, I love people and I love Family, but I'm also a person who likes more of watching other people and enjoying um, seeing the little things that people do. And so when I was really in my deepest uh, sadness. I would do a lot of things like go ahead and get the food prepared and make sure the house is clean and the music and all of that is all together for everybody to get together. And then I would, the people would get here and then I would um, go hide in my room. And I had to really step back and think about that and acknowledge to myself that um, part of the Part of me disconnecting like that was because I would see everyone and I would be happy about the people that were there, but I'd be very sad about the folks that we had lost. And so that can be um, part of the challenge. I've got some really um, excellent things to think about as far as um, Deciding if you have um, complicated grief or grief-related depression or spiritual grief. These um, topics are really heavily explored in the um, Reflections from the Soul book. Um, One one story that I talk about is Queen Victoria, who I call the caretaker of memory because she experienced complicated grief-related depression. And if you have read anything about her, she um, had a wonderful marriage and um, beautiful family. And then her husband suddenly passed away from typhoid um, fever, or typhus, something along that line. And so they hadn't even really told her that he was sick. And um, so when he passed away, it was very shocking. And if you look at most pictures of her after he passed, she's always in black. And if you look even closer at her experience for the next 40 years or so, she would still have his water, bath water run, his clothes laid out, all of those things, so that she still had a connection with him for the rest of her life. Complicated grief-related depression is where there is um, a surrendering of yourself to the distress and a general exaggerated hollow feeling. So it's really something that um, in this case, the looking, seeking out for help or looking out for help would be very important if you're experiencing that. Um, When um, Jack Kennedy passed away, Bobby Kennedy had uh experiences where he had complicated spiritual deg- uh, grief experienced that he would do a similar thing he would smoke his brother's cigars and he would he reflected greatly he was very um, felt very guilty because he was uh, the attorney general and had you know um, looked at certain um, uh, crimes and things of that nature been very aggressive one of the best quotes I've ever read is um, from um, Agamemnon who says that he who learns must suffer and even in our sleep pain that cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart and in our own despair against our will comes wisdom to us by the awful grace of God. So he really did have a um, complicated spiritual grief And then later was able to um, address his sadness really by um, building a solid foundation of his spirituality. And then Mary Todd Lincoln, I call her the mother of post-traumatic stress. And if you think about what she experienced, not only with the Civil War, but then the loss of um, her younger son, youngest son, while they were in the um, White House, then her husband, um, President Lincoln, and then later um, the son that she was most close to, Tad, he passed away. And so she was experienced post-traumatic grief um, basically for the rest of her life as well. So there are a variety of ways that you can Address your sadness and one of the big things you could do is identify your your biggest triggers. Um, Try to be mindful not to put time constraints on yourself. Remember that you are mapping your appropriate healing and that you can facilitate this by welcoming the epiphany or awakening as it occurs um, through your dedication to care for yourself. And then taking a step back and removing yourself from the opinions of others so that you can do what you need to cope in your life. And I know I'm getting close to um, our time here. So, um, so I do want you to recognize that if you have experiences that are like um, um, Robert Kennedy, or um, Mary Lott, Todd Lincoln, or Victoria, those are more along the lines of complicated grief. And that's when you really want to um, reach out for help if it's possible. You can do things um, like taking a mental pilgrimage. I do want to um, give you this word of encouragement. And this is a letter to a young poet. It says, I beg you to have patience with everything unresolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves as if they were locked in rooms or books written in a very foreign language. Don't search for the answers, which could not be given to you now because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live live the questions now, perhaps then someday far in the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way to the answer. And that's what we're trying to do when we're looking and talking about our grief. So I will end there. And um, hopefully there's still a little time for uh, questions.
0: Very good. Thank you, Dr. Green. Really good stuff. So I want to take a step back. First question is talking about step two of the, uh, the myths, if you will, about time. Why do we put pressure on ourselves to feel like we have to grieve within a certain time period?
1: I think it's cultural. I think that we are very busy, live very busy lives here in, and, and everywhere. We're connected all the time and, and um, connected to others. And so we feel like, okay, I'm giving myself this um, time because it's expected that we're going to go through these stages of grief and then we're going to feel better. So I really think it's all about uh, an expectation that we've placed on ourselves. And if you even think about the fact that if you are lose a loved one, how much time do you really get off from work?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanna talk a little bit about post-traumatic response you were talking about, I think it was uh, Lincoln. Um, mm-hmm. Are there physical symptoms that um, kind of are, are there symptoms kind of speaking to this post-traumatic uh, response?
1: Yes. Um, so you may feel like for for Mary um, Todd Lincoln, her symptoms were things like real deep anxiety. Mm-hmm. She would um, wake up in the middle of the night. Um, she would be really scared about her living, her only living son. I think his name was Robert, I believe and she would like send out um, telegrams. So it might be that you have trouble, you have trouble sleeping, um, you have trouble eating, you feel um, uneasy, um, you feel like there's impending doom and it's all related to, um, and then there's disengaging too. um, And it's all related to your um, loss when you get down to the bottom of it.
0: Somebody chimed in and said I think one of the really good takeaways here is you have to give yourself space to grieve right mm-hmm. Dr Green
1: Absolutely and I and I do think that we put these expectations on ourselves because again we're so busy life is so full and so what will sometimes end up happening is you have a compilation of losses and then you have a real time where you must you have no choice Because you're seeing physical symptoms like breaking out in hives, or not sleeping, or not being able to eat, or um, being so overwhelmed at work, or crying all the time, and then you you have no choice but to reach out for help. And then once you actually start to discuss it, you identify that hey, part of the what I'm feeling is I haven't had uh, enough time to even think about what I've experienced, let alone process it.
0: Yeah. Last thing, Dr. Green, I've heard you mention in a previous webinar that we did talking about the mantra, take care of yourself. What does that mean?
1: Well, I think it means different things to different people. But what we're getting at there is that we want you to find ways to have joy and happiness and and peace within yourself and this is very important for our longevity. So, it may look different for me. For me, it's um, a good journal. Uh, it's some great um, Celine Dion or um, Andrea Bocelli, um, a hot bath, um, a walk, a good movie that I can, follow, I can watch a thousand times and, and fall asleep on it um, and wake up and still know what's happening. So, you know, it's finding things that are going to bring joy in your life, even though you may have um, stresses and you may be caring for someone so that you make sure that your cup is full so that you can provide care to someone or for someone that you love.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful messaging, especially this time of the year, Dr. Green. Um,
1: How can people find you? We are... um, at caregiversupportservices.org or .com. You can go to either one and you will find the book Reflections from the Soul there in our um, bookstore. You can also find a link to the Understanding Grief um, Guide for Caregivers on our um, resources page, um, comprehensive resources, and that's a free guide um, that we developed with Right at Home that, it has great tips and such in it for caregivers, and you can just download that. And it goes through all of the things that um, that I talked about outside of the fabulous stories that I shared, which are in Reflections from the Soul.
0: And that was caregiversupportservices.com. So there's no hyphens, dots, or anything like that.
1: Nope, just all one word: caregiver singular supportservices.com.
0: Excellent. Um, so for knowledgeable aging, um, this webinar, like many of ours, go on our YouTube page. Um, we update the YouTube page, try to do it four to five times a week. So there's original content. I encourage you when you're there to subscribe. Also, if you're a podcaster, um, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Tunes, etc. cetera. Uh, until next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is knowledgeable aging.